technology lined up. So as, as, as Nikki said, very much focusing on love this month. Not surprising, but uh, it's interesting that Nikki opened up by looking at not just our earthly love, but looking at God's love for us. And uh, you might expect me to dive into some very obvious places and some obvious scriptures. I'm probably going to go there. But... Uh, I wanted to make two statements right at the beginning of what I want to share this morning, both of those online, those listening later, and those in the room. It's firstly, love looks forward. Love looks forward. How many times have you, and I think actually Nikki reflected upon it as she introduced the service, when she said, you know, when people have said things to you, when things have happened, you know, sometimes we really struggle to love people because of something that's happened in the past. Well, how much baggage are you going to allow... To, cut, cut, to tie you up from the past. Now, I, I'm 60-something years old, you know, and, and other people are, you know, other ages in the room. I'm not going to pick on anybody's age there, but we've all got years of experience. We've got years of stuff. And probably in the midst of that are some things that people have said that they didn't want to, or they wish they hadn't said, and maybe things you and I said that we wish we hadn't said. But it's all in the past. You know, we can live in the past if we want to. But you know what? I want to look ahead. I want to look ahead because tomorrow I can change. Yesterday I can't. And so we're gradually building this library of experience, this library of stuff. But, do you know, if love lives in the past, then it's living in history. And if we're living in history, we're living in a place where we cannot change anything. It's like playing the film again and again and again. And you've probably had conversations with people and you think, I've had this conversation before and I've had this conversation before and I've had this conversation before. Now you're wondering whether you're watching the film Groundhog Day. But do you know what? That's sometimes how we are. We find ourselves doing the same thing again and again and again. And we think, why am I doing this? I need to break out of this cycle. And when we love people, we want them to break out of, of maybe stuff they're stuck with. Maybe, maybe it's a self-view. Sometimes we don't love ourselves. Maybe because of something that's been repetitively said to us. Maybe because of something that's happened to us. I, I had the, have the privilege of, over the years, working with a, a ministry down in, in Devon called Gilead. And uh, it's a farm that also serves and looks after addicts uh, and people who've been through addictive behaviours. And one of the things you find is, again, they replay and replay and replay things that maybe happened 10, 15, 20, sometimes 50 years ago. And they're stuck. Because they're stuck in history. Now, who can change history? Well, no one can change history, but God can change our perspective on history. God can change the way history has a hold on us. And so I believe love builds forward. Well, actually, and there's two pieces in that. One is love builds. You know, uh, it, it, precept upon precept, idea upon idea, activity upon activity. You sometimes see in films, and maybe somebody said this to you. Oh, you 
you never tell me you love me. And then that, that person feels a little embarrassed and they go, oh, I, I love you. <laughs> and it's not sincere and it's not real. Do you know what? We don't kind of solve the problem by saying those three words once. It's what our lives say that testifies. It's our, what our lives do, what we do. You know, so, so, some little things... Um, I, was, I was talking with somebody last night who said that they got up at three o'clock in the morning to make their sandwiches for their husband. And I was thinking, you know, wow. But that, 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 that and now, doing that as a one-off, well, okay, that's special. Doing that on a daily basis, that's got to be love. And maybe you do it for your children. You get up early in the morning before work and... You, you know, before anything else happens and you're having your quiet time and then you're preparing stuff for your kids. You know, maybe they don't even notice. But do you know what? When we do look back to those good things, we can say, yeah, evidence of love. So love builds and love looks forward. So let's start by looking at 1 Corinthians, as you might expect me to go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Let all that you do be done in love. I want you to notice the second word in that scripture there. All that you do. You know, not just when you feel like it, or when I feel like it, not when it's easy, but let all that we do be done in love. That's a tough ask. That's a tough ask. You know, just think about this. You've got a snotty little baby who's really not well and sick, and you're trying to love them, and then they push you away, and you, know, you have to push through the rubbish and the, the garbage, and the mess, and just love them, and just love them again. 1 Corinthians 13, that is often read at weddings, um, this is from the Amplified Version, it says this, if I, notice this, if I can speak in the tongues of men, and even of angels, but have not love, that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as is inspired by God's love, for and in us, I am only a noisy gong, or a clanging symbol. Now, why does why is this image of a noisy gong and a clanging symbol used here? Well, do you know what what is a gong for? I don't know whether you've ever been in a place where they ring a gong for dinner. You know, one or two of those kind of big bed and breakfast type places, or sometimes some posh hotels, they'll ring a gong for dinner. Maybe you've watched the MGM videos that start and there's this guy and he's got this great big hammer and he hits this massive great big gong. What's the purpose? To be noticed. It says, look, look, it's dinner time. Or something similar. Just like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You know, love, love doesn't want to be on stage. True love doesn't want to be on stage. Love is, love is often hidden. It's done in little things in secret, in the secret place. And so God says, do it in love. Do all things in love. And do it as if you do it unto me. In 1 Corinthians... The next one, Simon, please. I need to enlarge my screen. 1 Corinthians 13, as we read on. And though I bestow all of my goods to the feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. And sometimes people say, well, I've, I've given. I've given. Now, love is not just a transaction. Love is a lifestyle. 
Love is something that we do. Love is something that we do out of life. So you know, sometimes people say, well, I'll, I'll, I've shown you I loved you because I bought you a present. As, as, that's, as that's enough for the year. You know, there, there's your gift for your birthday. I've shown you that I love you. That's it for the year. But you know what? Love is not just one transaction. Love is a lifestyle. And as we talk about loving others, loving others in our community, you know, we have a warm space here on a Monday, and that's just meant to be a way of opening doors and sharing our space and our warmth and our heat with other people. And so we give, but we give with love. We offer prayer. Uh, this last Monday uh, that's just gone, this room, so we have food bank here on a Monday, and uh, I was told that every one of these tables had a family sitting, waiting on the table, ready to collect food from food bank. Now, there was a moment to be able to speak into people's lives and to show them a little love, not just give them some food and go, there you go, but to be interested in their day. Love is not just a transaction. It goes on further in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 7, to say this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Please notice it's love with these other things. So when we're doing stuff, love needs to be part. In all things that we do, do it in love. Do we believe that something can change? Would you know what sits behind this second phrase there, believes all things, is trusting in God. Because sometimes we go, well, that's not possible. They're not going to change. This is the way it's got to be for the rest of history. No, God can change it. God can change a person. God can change you and me. That's a big enough miracle. And here's the interesting thing. Often when we pray, we're part of the solution. We're part of the answer. God draw me near. God, you know, maybe there's someone you've fallen out with, a brother, a sister, a parent, a family member. You've fallen out. Things have been said and you're not talking. And you're praying, God, would you just help them to pick up the phone so that we can start a conversation again? And God starts working on you, saying, well, why don't you pick up the phone? No, no, it's not my job. Not my job to pick up the phone. I want the other person to, to pick. Well, isn't there a bit of pride going on there? Isn't there a bit of I'm better than them? And actually, you know, whenever we point at people, there's that trick that, you know, there's one finger pointing, but there's three fingers pointing back. So whenever you point, just think about that. I mean, sometimes I like to point with my, my flat hand because then I go, it's all your job, it's all your responsibility. But often when we point with our fingers, um, you know, we're kind of still pointing back to ourselves. Love is impressive. Love makes a difference. Let's click on into further into Corinthians now as we start to dive into um, what we should do. Now, Scripture says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And uh, I don't know whether you watch this kind of program. It's not a program I'd watch, but I'm aware of it. Uh, Looking Through the Keyhole is a series that was around years ago. And they used to go and visit people's houses and say, whose house is this? I can't even remember the name. Was it Lloyd Grossman? Was he the host? And, and they'd go around the house, and the people weren't in the house. They'd go around the house, and they'd show the bookcase and, and the things. And, and they'd say, whose house is this? 
And obviously they'd set it up with some clues in the house. But I wonder if somebody went round your house with a camera and took pictures of your house. What we would take from those pictures as what was important to you. Because typically, the things that we use most regularly, we leave out, don't we? And the things that we don't use regularly, we put away. So, for example, and typically, things that aren't used a lot end up with some dust on them. So if you opened up a cupboard and the only Bible in the house was in the cupboard under a pile of other books and round the edge of it was a thick layer of dust, you just, okay. It might be completely wrong. They might use their phone for their Bible. But, you know, just walk... If, if, if we, somebody walked around your house with a camera, what could we conclude about your life and your living and the way you live? It's just an observation. Because do you know what? We can make so many things idols in our lives. And for me, an idol is something that we focus on without anything else. It's something we get so focused on, we almost get fixated. It becomes the centre of our life. You know, I said I worked, I've been involved with Gilead. One of the things at Gilead is you think it might just be people with drug and alcohol issues, but workaholics are just as big of a challenge. People whose, for them, work has become their idol. Work has become the thing that they worship. Everything sits under the, the banner of work. And God wants to be worshipped. And so let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. Now concerning these things, sacrifice to idols, we know that we have knowledge. Knowledge makes arrogant, but love edifies. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by him. How does God know you and I love him? I talked about the standard of, for example, uh, you know, little things, making sandwiches, serving people tea and coffee, um, those little things that we take for granted. I wonder whether there's a similar thing in our relationship with God. I wonder whether there's something very similar where we find ourselves looking towards God, but he's not caught, we, we've not caught his attention. Uh, do we have to become a clanging gong and go, I'm over here, God? Because God knows. God loves us. But sometimes we kind of, some of the things that God's watching for us are listening ear. Have we given time to listen? I've used this phrase many times because I've experienced it a number of times, which is silence speaks. Some people would say, I've asked God something and there's been silence. And so we kind of assume God's not doing anything. But silence does speak. But also silence makes room for people to speak. And I am absolutely convinced that if we give space to God, he will speak to us. He will speak to us. And as he speaks to us, he speaks to us with words that are life-giving, that are hopeful, in 1, John, in, in 1 John 4, it says this, He who does not love does not know God, 
for God is love. We get the example from him. I don't know how like your parents you are. You know, I, I, I look at young children that I know, and I, as they grow up, they, sometimes they look like dad, sometimes they look like mum. You know, in certain lights and certain situations, they do things that make them look like their parents. And sometimes we don't want to know. I think I've told you before now, um, I was sitting one day uh, with some friends, I think including my cousin, um, and I rubbed my nose like this. And somebody in the room said, that's just like your dad used to do it. And do you know what my response was? My response was, no, it isn't. I'm nothing like my dad. But you know what? From a father God point of view, if somebody says that's just what father would have done, then actually just take that as a, a maybe a gold star or a brownie point, whatever you want to think of it. But just think of it as, okay, I'm reflecting something of God. If you've ever found an old mirror where the gloss has gone off the, the mirrored surface, you kind of try and appear into it to see whether the image... That's the way we reflect God sometimes. We reflect a little bit of God. We re reflect some of his character, but not all, because we get in the way. Because what we've experienced, what we've done, what we've been involved in, um, not only impacts us, but it impacts others in the way that we respond to them. In 1 John 4, verses 9 to 11, it says this. I think it's the next one, Sam, yeah. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that we, he has loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He paid the price. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's given us the example. He only had one son. That's Jesus. And he sent him to pay the price for your, yours and my wrongdoing, our sinfulness, our sinful nature. He paid the price. And so he's given us the example, that sacrificial love. If you want a better place to look than anywhere else, I would say just look to our God and look to what he does for us and what he continues to do for us. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so in building and loving forward, I want to say this. Love makes a difference. Love is a choice. If somebody asks you, do you love them? Whether it's a child, a husband, a wife, a partner, a friend. Then if they're having to ask you, then you're probably not showing So let's take this bigger now and ask the question, does Runnymede Christian Fellowship love the area of Egham and Runnymede? Uh, not, not, I, I'm keeping it personal, but I'm just, okay, I wonder what... I think there would be a whole bunch of people in Egham who would say, who's Runnymede Christian Fellowship? I've just been honest with you. you know, we don't, 
everybody doesn't know everything. But we ought to know some people in Staines, in Englefield Green, in Virginia Water, you know, as, as we reach out to the community. Do your neighbours know you? I'm not necessarily saying you have to stand up and shout across the fence saying, Hello, neighbour, I'm a Christian. Because we show it through our actions. We show that we love people. And in showing them we love them, we open a door of opportunity to show them that God loves them. That's why I'm a great believer in things like you know, Christians Against Poverty and the Food Bank and other ministries because it serves practically and opens a door for a conversation. So how would Egham know that we love Egham? Well, I guess we might point to things like the warm space and the food bank and open doors on a Sunday and I guess even live streaming a service. I guess we could point to the whole world could know that we love the whole world. That's why we invest in doing those kinds of things. But what's the next step? Once we've had a conversation with someone, once we've had a first conversation with people, what's the next step? How do we build in love? How do we build forward? I'm not answering this question this morning. I'm leaving it as an open question. Because I think that's part of what the ministry of church is. How do we build forward? How do I want to encourage you. Take an opportunity. When an opportunity happens for you to show God's love to your neighbour, your colleague at work, grasp it. Grasp it and do something. What do we risk? We risk looking a little silly. We risk looking a little um, uncomfortable maybe. But you know what? If God gives us what we need and we give it to our neighbours, that conversation will be a life-changing conversation. And finally, as I wrap things up and bring things to a close, we go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter 4 verse 9, 4 verse 8, sorry. And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. I want to translate this and say, because sometimes we read this as a bit like a blanket, it's about hiding sin. I don't believe that's what it says here. What I believe it says here is that love enables us to get through the consequence of sin. And so it's not hiding stuff and going up, you know, well, uh, and, uh, again, to a story. Because often people will call this out, non-Christians particularly, say, call yourself a Christian, how is this loving? And just to bring it, make it really tangible, um, I remember having this conversation with somebody down at Gilead whose child was also an addict. And they said, if you loved me, you'd buy the cocaine that I need. Now, that, that was the call that they were saying. Well, if you loved me, you'd provide my needs, even though you know they're going to hurt me. That's what they were saying. And the parent was looking back, and they were traumatised by this, this conversation. You know, if you loved me, you'd have done this. And for me, love covering a multitude of sins says we get through that. We get beyond that kind of statement and we say, yes, I still love you. I love you despite your addiction. I love you because I want to see you free. I love you because you're my child. I love you because you're my friend. And I'm going to do all that I can to make a difference. And making a difference will not be to feed your addiction. My 
aren't what I will do is give you all that I can from God and in giving you all that I can from God you then make the choice and above all things have fervent love for one another you know, fervency is not something that kind of goes up and down fervency sticks fervency remains Love continues, even when we don't feel like it. Love will draw the final ounces of energy that you've got. Love will draw from you the last penny in your, pot, penny in your wallet. You know, if, if you had enough, and you read this now in the current climate where you hear parents who are feeding their children and they're going without. They're not eating themselves because they're feeding their children. That's an expression of parental love. They're saying, okay, my child is more important. I will go without. And so many times I think we're, we've become selfish, where we're thinking about me first. And for me, I actually think God wants us to put others first. Obviously, we've got to keep ourselves healthy. We've got to, we've got to feed ourselves. But, but there are times when we can be truly sacrificial. And in being sacrificial, God will come and meet our needs as well. For love will cover a multitude of sins. God will give us the ability to press in more. And in pressing in more, to be able to give to others, and to give to others will change the world. And what happened 2,000 years ago continues to echo into history. And what we do here today echoes in eternity. That great quote from the film Gladiator. What we do here today echoes in eternity. That's a long echo. I don't know whether you've ever been a place where there has been an echo. Where you shout and you can hear, echo, echo, echo. Sometimes you can hear it three times, sometimes four times. In unusual places, maybe seven or eight times. But to echo in eternity. Well, that's something precious. And so I want to ask some questions as I bring things to a close. Question number one would be, are we loving forward? Are we investing in tomorrow? Are we loving the next generation? Are we loving our world? And in loving our world, are we loving it forward? Are we loving it beyond our capacity sometimes? Are we willing to let our petrol tank, run, our love petrol tank, run down to zero? And then we have to ask God to fill us up again. This is about five or six years ago. I was really in a hurry. I was, I was teaching up in the Midlands and I was driving back. And I f honestly, I forgot to fill up with petrol. I thought as I drove into the university, I thought, OK, I must remember before I get onto the motorway to fill up with petrol. Or diesel at the time, I think it was. I was driving the diesel car. So I got onto the motorway. And then I looked down at the petrol gauge or diesel gauge and I thought, oh, I should have filled up. And then I kind of pressed the buttons and it said how many miles to go and I was pressing the button on my sat-nav and it was about 110 miles that I could get out of the car and the, the trip was 78 to go, I think it was. So I thought, okay, there's enough. But then, of course, those numbers don't always match up and then I got to around Oxford and it was now going, I think, 35 and 38. And I got onto the M25 and I was going to be late and I was thinking, oh, I don't want to be late... Um, 
And so I started praying. I got onto the M25 and I started praying. <coughs> and the M25 was all jammed up. And he got, got down to 10 miles to go, then 8 miles to go, then 5 miles to go. And I was coming up to the M4 junction and it went down to zero. And uh, I've been told, and I've never tested this, but I've been told that the car judders before it actually starts to run out of fuel. I don't know whether that's true or not. I'm not recommending this. Um, but I was praying because I wanted to get to this meeting on time. And I kept praying and I kept praying. And I got, I got to the meeting, got to, this is in New Road. I got to the meeting in New Road. No problem. Um, and I even got out of the meeting afterwards and drove to the petrol station and filled up. So there was enough. But it had been on zero from the M4. Now, that might be the inaccuracies of my car's system. I don't know. But it might just have been God. Now, I could have, I could have said, OK, well, I need to pull off the motorway, find a petrol station, fill up, but then I was going to be late. What I'm saying is sometimes there are times when we need to get to empty, that we can be filled again. And sometimes that's where faith kicks in. Faith takes us to a place where the only thing we can rely on is God's love. God, give us the love that I need to show these people, this, this family, this situation, this circumstance, my boss, that I love them with the kind of love that Nikki talked about at the beginning of the service. Let me pray. Above all things, have fervent love. Above all things. No buts, no ifs, no maybes. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Father God, I want to start with us. It's a great place to start. Father, I pray for those who struggle to love themselves for whatever circumstance. Lord, whether it be... Uh, the way they feel, something that's happened in history. Father, I want to build forward in these moments and say, Lord, would you show your love to these dear folk? Lord, would you speak into their lives and let them see a fresh mirror, a fresh mirror, not looking through history, but looking through now and seeing themselves as you see them, precious in your sight. So, Father, I pray that we'd know how to love ourselves, well and wise, to look after ourselves, that we can be an asset to others. Father, I pray that you'd help us to love those around us, our family, our husbands, our wives, our children, those who live with us, who see us warts and all, good days and bad days. Father, help us to make godly, loving choices that we invest into others and see the fruit of sowing those seeds. And Father, I pray that you'd open our eyes to the needs beyond our own walls. Father, would you uh, attune our ears to things that say and they don't say in conversations at work at home in a coffee shop. And Father, when the bell rings, when something catches our attention, Father, help us to listen to you. Would you give us words of wisdom in those moments of need? Would you give us what, Lord, uh, we can serve others with? And Father, if it means to go the extra mile, if it means to give some extra minutes, if it means something that's sacrificial, Father, we, we want to give it in love. 
And then beyond that, Father, we pray for our world. We pray for those in our community. Father, would you help us to love those that we don't yet know? And that means that our hearts are ready for when an opportunity comes. A stranger's need is presented to us. And Lord, we're ready to do what's required us in those moments. And so, Father, as we focus this week on love, Father, I pray there will be a multiplication of all that you're doing in our lives. For your glory, Lord. Amen.